All right, everybody, welcome to the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And we have a very special guest with us here today, uh, Frank Greco, who is the managing director over at Safe Harbor Investments. Uh, we actually met at a, a local real estate meetup a couple months ago. And uh, he's a great guy, and, and he's been you know working on some pretty interesting projects. And he has many, many years in the business. Um, and we want to hear his experience. And he also comes from a unique perspective of someone who uh, worked um, in the financial uh, service industry on Wall Street, who left that to pursue um, a full-time career in, in real estate. So want to hear his story, and I'm sure you'd be an inspiration to a lot of our listeners, uh, including myself. So um, why don't we just welcome to the show and start out, you know, kind of how you got started in real estate. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for that uh, lovely introduction. So, um, yeah, like many people, I guess, uh, you know, years ago, I uh, studied economics and went to go work on Wall Street, which is typically uh, someone who's studying economics does. <laughs> I was an investment advisor for a little while uh, with a registered investment advisory firm. And then I went to go work at the Federal Reserve, where I primarily uh, was in the Bank Supervision Group, uh, which is a broad group. The Fed does a bunch of different things, uh, functions, but I was in the supervision group. And within that group, there's a small group called Specialized Examinations and Trusts, and I was in there. So basically, uh, what my job was, was to go in and uh, look at trust accounts or wherever where banks acted in a fiduciary capacity. So that really just you know, opened my eyes to wealth, uh, in the country, uh, real world, uh, you know, whether it be, um, you know, the Vanderbilts, you know, John D. Rockefeller, like those, those sorts of uh, accounts. Uh, it was just an eye opener. And one of the things that I learned there was that real estate was always a cornerstone of that wealth building that propelled these individuals into, you know, super incredible wealth. And a lot of them are very uh, quiet, I would say, you know, they're, they're not really flashy. They're, they're kind of like hidden. They just kind of look for, uh, you know, just kind of look to have a normal life. So it was just really, it was a fantastic experience. Glad I learned it and was able to experience it. And I was like, well, okay, that's what they're doing. So I ought to be doing the same thing. Right? Pretty self-explanatory. Um, because even though I, I had a wonderful time with the fed, there's, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a bit of the typical, you know, monotony of working in a nine to five corporate type job. Right. So, um, it was, I started to explore real estate to see how I can get into it. And then what happened, what was the propelling factor was, uh, some, a friend of mine, uh, introduced me to a book uh, you may have heard about. It's called rich dad, poor dad, uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. And I think six months later I had bought a neat family, uh, apartment complex. It was three buildings on nearly an acre of land. And I uh, kind of remember at the time, and I still remember to this day, uh, hearing George Soros speak, who at the time was still running the Quantum Fund, um, which is, you know, a hedge fund that, he, you know, he obtained his billionaire status with. And I remember him saying that if he liked investments, uh, and if it made sense, he would jump in with both feet. If it didn't make sense, he would pull a foot out later you know, that sort of thing. So I was like, 
okay, so you know, did the numbers, uh, it cash flowed tremendously. I think at the time, even though the loan was, you know, at that time, much different from where it is nowadays, <laughs> it was like eight, nine percent interest rate uh, that you'd pay on a loan. And then, um, and still then it was like a 20 plus percent cash on cash return. So it was just, couldn't pass it up. Um, and then uh, probably a couple of years after that, I started to get into it more and more and I left um, 21 years ago now. And um, it's, it's been a phenomenal ride ever since. It's been a little bit up and down, especially with 2001, 2002, with the dot-com bust. Um, and, but there, then, uh, just like now, there's opportunities that come available in these times. So 2001, I wind up uh, buying a, a 14 unit apartment complex with, uh, with a former partner of mine. And uh, we still own it today. Or actually, I own it today. Uh, he's no longer in the picture, but um, it's it, it's been a you know an interesting project, uh, nevertheless. But a great uh, property, along with several others, that have provided me with a lifestyle that um, has just been fantastic. I, I feel very blessed uh, to have been able to do things that I would not have been able to do uh, if I was, I think, still working on a regular nine to five job. So. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. So can you kind of walk our listeners through how did you get over the hump of not having a W-2 income anymore? And I'm sure at the time the income was relatively high, especially in the industry that you were working in. How did you cut the cord from a nice, I'm sure, a six-figure paycheck and then, you know, gravitate to full-time real estate? Was it a case where you bought properties kind of on the side and you built up some st stability through some cash flow. Did you wait for that or did you just go all in and just was like, this is what I'm going to do? Like, how did you, what was the moment that you had that realization that as long as you work for somebody else, you're not going to be where you want to be? Right. Um, another great book that I would recommend to your listeners is called The Millionaire Next Door. That's another uh, very important book that is true in its thesis of what it, of what the typical millionaire looks like. Um, where the typically small business owners, uh, they're not working Monday through Friday, nine to five, very, a very small percentage are actually executives of, of any industry. So when I had purchased my eight family, uh, one of the things as an ancillary business, I was self-managing uh, and I still self-manage um, because I enjoy being on the properties, I enjoy having my fingers on the pulse of the property and what's going on. Um, that's just me. And I have the time to do that, so that's what I do. And when I, um, when I purchased the eight family, it, it obviously needed some work, you know, went through uh, some, um, some of the things with, uh, you know, the building inspector there. And it was very difficult to hire contractors. So I hired a person to work for me on the weekends and that kind of became like a full-time thing. And so I kind of like had an ancillary business of construction on the side. Um, and then, you know, going into just being self-employed, I also at the time had bought a laundromat, uh, which uh, didn't work out so well for me, but nevertheless, it was, it was a great experience. And, um, 
I was starting to get very busy and with a lot going on. And I felt I was out of place in my office on, on Wall Street. Actually, what technically wasn't on Wall Street, I was actually on Broadway at the time. But nevertheless, that was pretty much, that was pretty much how I felt. And I think uh, what had happened was, is that one weekend, um, I, was, I had gotten incredibly busy and I wound up calling Monday morning and I left a message for you know, my boss at the time because I couldn't uh, come in. And I said, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't come in this week, J just like that. Uh, and then the week went by and I didn't hear anything from anybody, whatever. So I just went about staying busy doing what I was doing, you know, with the apartments, with the laundromat, with a bunch of the stuff going on. And then the following week, I called back up and said, uh, you know, I, I can't come in anymore. I'm sorry. I just, you know, that was it. So probably not the best way to leave and not the best professional sense. But at that point, I felt so driven that I wanted to succeed and I was highly focused. And I do tend to focus uh, a lot on what I'm doing. And it was, it was actually very easy for me. I didn't feel that I was churning inside. I didn't feel like I had any butterflies on my stomach. I didn't feel like I was worrying. Uh, I, I figured then, as I do now, you know, typically when you're about to embark on something and you feel nervousness, uh, you're moving in the right direction. And when you move in the right direction, things work out. Uh, you just have to believe in yourself. You have to put in the work. You have to do, you have to do what's required. Uh, but it will always work out and you'll be better off for it at the end. And I believe that then and I believe that now. And I'll tell anybody who wants to listen. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you, Frank. Um, it's just, yeah, it takes, it takes a certain type of person to be comfortable with the risk that you took um, and, you know, myself and, and other people that I know. Um, you know, to, to just get over that initial hump because I know a lot of people, especially in my business, where they're working for another operator or sponsor or they're working in some capacity in the industry and they've been working for, let's just say, eight to 10 years, at least the people that I generally work with. Oh, I love to buy a property on my own. Oh, I love to, you know, buy a multifamily on my own. Well, I haven't, it's, they haven't done it in 10 years. Like, you can actually, you can still do it while you have a job, you know, it's not going to be your full-time job. Um, but a lot of people are just afraid, um, you know, or they invest with someone like you or myself and they do, you know, they could still work. Um, yeah. There's many ways to do it. Um, but that's just, it's just the more people I talk to, they just, they just, that monthly check that they get, whether it's high or it's low or it's right in the middle to pay their bills. Um, they just can't get over it. And I, you know, it's, you know, I guess you and I are fortunate, you know, you were younger at the time, <laughs> I guess, right? Yes, um, to be frank, right? And I you're had still more young. hair, I think, at the time as well. <laughs> you guys have full head of hair. You're still, you're still a young guy relatively, but right. um, maybe that was also something to do with it. But the way I just, the way I look at it, what would you say to our listeners who are in their, you know, mid-40s, mid fifties, let's just say that are just sick of it, are sick of the nine to five lifestyle and they do want to go off in real estate or start a business, whatever they want to do. What would, what would your advice be for them? Or they have a couple of kids, they have obligations, they have a mortgage, they have 
all these expenses to take care of. Um, what would your advice be to them? But they're not happy. So what, what, what would you say to them? Um, you know, if they wanted to pursue a career in real estate on their own, um, but just can't, there's too many obligations. My, my, my burn rate is 10 grand a month, right? How can I, you know, cover those expenses and build what I've always wanted to. Right. I think what I tell uh, people who I coach or, or or a mastermind with, you really need to know yourself. Uh, I think that's, that's the paramount issue. Uh, What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses for better, for worse? And you know, who are you? Because at the end of the day, that is the most important question. Who are you? And what are you looking to do? Where are you looking to go? And, you know, uh, fear for me is, you know, the, the initials is F-E-A-R, right? Face everything and rise. That's, that's my take on fear. And you need to be comfortable with what you're doing and how you're doing it. So real estate is, I think, something that attracts a lot of people. But uh, truthfully, not everyone is maybe cut out for it. Um, and that's not to uh, sound, you know, diminutive towards anyone's skills or, or capabilities. It's just, you know, there's a certain um, there's a certain mindset and personality type I think that thrive in the business because there's a lot to it. Uh, it's an absolutely wonderful business. I, I love it. I can talk real estate, uh, you know, twenty four seven, three sixty five a year without any issue. Uh, that in capital markets, uh, you know. Even though I'm not in economics anymore, it's still just part of who I am. So I absolutely love the conversations. And there's so many moving parts to so many different things, uh, whether you're, you know, you're managing a property and, uh, or you're managing the manager uh, and you have personality fit, you know, uh, conflicts and how do you manage people, right? So you have to work through that. You have to be uh, nimble and you have to be able to move and, and you always have to be willing to uh, communicate very well and effectively and negotiate uh, how you know because you're always pivoting you're always moving depending upon what's coming your way whatever circumstances coming your way whether it be a tenant issue whether it be a property issue um, and I think a lot of people just simply believe the same old things that they hear uh, like for example I typically hear oh I'll, I can never be a landlord you know to be called in the middle of the night for a uh, you know a toilet backing up well you know, yeah. So I get, I, I may get a call in the middle of the night, but it doesn't come to me. It comes to the office first off, and then secondly, uh, if that happens, you know, typically you have to respond within, you know, a short amount of time. You know, by law, I think it's like twenty four hours, but you know, typically that we respond, and and we're not going out there. I'm not going out there and doing it. I, I may, at, or I have at some point, but typically now I'm going to call up a plumber. And he's going to go out there and he's going to service. You know, we have contracts with uh, service providers that just go out and take care of those things. Um, write a check at the end of the month. What's the big deal? <laughs> you know, uh, as compared to waking up every morning at six o'clock, getting on a bus or a boat or a train and schlepping it into the city. You know, not now with you know COVID nineteen going on, but under normal circumstances, um, and that works for some people. Uh, it ju- it just doesn't work for me. I I like the I like the challenge being a business owner and being out on my own is certainly one of the greatest challenges of my life, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's a roller coaster ride on some some at some 
times, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way. And for those people that who try to, you know, break into real estate, uh, I would say, you know, it's, it's important to uh, really know yourself and get uh, to a level of comfort in recognizing that it's the, it's the consistent monthly passive cash flow income that is going to remove you from your nine to five job that you hate so much. And if you want to get to that position, you're going to have to start somewhere. And you can go at it on your own, but I, I, I don't, you know, I, I cautiously recommend that. It depends. Uh, but I think it's a lot easier though if you go in with partners and you, and you, uh, you know, experience the benefits of real estate, but not actually the managerial responsibilities of real estate, which can be intense and it can be challenging at times, but you need to have the, um, the experience and you need to have a team that can carry you through those difficult times. So my recommendation for those people would start small, start investing, uh, get yourself into you know an apartment complex um, with with people who you build a rapport with and people who you um, you know enjoy do, uh, you know investing with and start to reap some of the benefits of real estate and all that it offers and before you know it you will be out of that nine to five grind and life will be a lot better for you no, absolutely. And it, it goes back to what Grant Cardone says, the, 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 the terrible T's, the three T's, the toilets, tenants, termites. <laughs> <laughs> so, so exactly. if you want to be active, you know, you will be dealing with the, those issues. You might not want to be active. You might, like, like Frank said, um, come in with, you know, a, a partner like, like us. Um, or if you want to be active, you're going to have to deal with it. Um, but, but you're, you're going to learn, um, and you may decide this is not for me. I'd rather just, you know, I'd rather just invest it and get a nice distribution check or, you know, um, you do enjoy doing it. And then eventually you kind of, um, you know, go off and do your own thing. But I have, in, including some of my, um, partners and investors, I have, you know, some of the investors who they're first time investors and, you know, they eventually want to buy deals on their own. Um, but you know, for them to come in with me, I'm providing an opportunity. Number one, and number two, it's an opportunity for them to learn from someone who has been through the life cycle on a few opportunities and still is growing um, mm -hmm. to to kind of learn. And they see what what exactly we're doing, how we're adding value, and obviously they reap the financial benefits as well. So um, that's you know been been key for some of you know my platform, and I, I know a lot of other operators as well who who take on kind of first time investors who want exposure to to real estate um, but eventually mm -hmm. want to be active so um i guess you know just in in terms of kind of going back briefly on the the, the transition um it, it sounds like you really just need to know yourself it's got, it takes a certain personality um and you know you you gotta you gotta really believe in yourself and it is a lot of work um but it shouldn't if it feels like work, then you shouldn't be doing it. And in, in my opinion, um, so as like you and I, we enjoy talking about real estate 24 seven. Um, so, you know, kind of getting towards the end of this, the podcast now, are there any other parting words to kind of, you know, uh, encourage our 
viewers to um, not be afraid to take, you know, whatever that next step is, whether it is, you know, thinking about cutting the cord and, and doing real estate or doing some, doing your passion or, you know, investing in real estate for the first time or whatever, whatever advice you would have for someone to uh, be on their path towards where they want to be financially. I think the most important thing is to be able to have and to live your life on your own terms. And in my opinion, real estate is the only, I mean, there's probably a couple of different ways of doing that, but real estate is one of the few ways that uh, it provides you the opportunity to do exactly that. Um, and if it, you know, in this particular time with, you know, the Fed printing a lot of money, you know, there's inflationary concerns, uh, there's concerns about hyperinflation or what have you, uh, which, which may or may not come true. You know, you know, that's like a dart being thrown at a, at a large board, you know, you never know where it's going to land. Um, but real estate is one of the uh, only assets that will not only pay you monthly income, or quarterly income, uh, and give you great tax benefits to offset that income with depreciation. Um, it is also an incredible, an incredible um, inflationary hedge because it is a hard asset. So it reminds me of the story uh, that my mother and father had told me that many years ago, so we're here in New Jersey, right? And we all know a town called Hoboken, which is across the river from New York City. And I remember my parents telling me that, um, that they had the opportunity to buy one of those brownstones, which they're peppered throughout Hoboken, uh, back in the early 70s for like $10,000. And during the 70s, we had, uh, you know, a little history of economic, uh, you know, history here. Uh, we had a, a, a large cost push inflation, right? So we had the wage and price controls, uh, and then we had hyperinflation in the late 70s and early 80s. Well, that just mushroomed the prices of those brownstones to, on a, you know, to, to untouchable amounts. And, and then after that, obviously development occurred and, and now I think you can't touch a brownstone for under a million dollars. So if you are concerned about um, where the economy is going with all of this, uh, real estate is the best uh, recessionary proof, uh, especially on apartments, which is what I specialize in. And, you know, uh, it, it's the best inflationary hedge so if you want to get started, now's the time and, and, and do it slowly and do it incrementally and, um, and, and, and watch your path to financial freedom and, and cutting that umbilical cord uh, <laughs> from the nine to five job. So no, that's ex exactly right. Um, I mean, those are, those are great advice and I think it's good that our listeners, um, I think they need to hear that. And, yeah, now's the time. We're recording this towards the end of April and hopefully towards the latter end of the coronavirus. We'll see what happens. Um, but, um, you know, there's going to be some distressed opportunities now. There's going to be some um, price adjustments. I'm already seeing it a little bit, um, you know, but but even if so, you got got to have, you know, more of 
you want to add value number one if you're buying real estate um, but you want to sort of have a long-term mindset of this is a long-term thing you know i'm not going to get rich real quick on one one deal it's a it's a long-term wealth building machine essentially and, and allows you to be free and, and be able to pursue um, your endeavors um, the way you want which which is you know what this country is all about so right. um uh, that was great um so and how would, can yeah I, go ahead. I, and i would add that uh you know when you receive your quarterly dividend or your quarterly uh, you know, uh, return uh rather than you know take it and spend it although it's you know opportune to do that uh just keep reinvesting and the more you reinvest the the bigger that snowball becomes and it starts throwing off more and more cash flow and the quicker you're able to, you know, really reach your goal. Um, and it's, it's, it's fantastic uh, when I see people do that because uh, you can, you can really reach your goals and, and, and scale very rapidly. If, if you really commit to it, um, it's like anything else you have to commit. And once you commit, uh, you're in it and you've got to go and it will happen for you. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, how can people find you, Frank? So I'm on uh, LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, uh, of course. You know, just uh, Frank Greco. You, you see what I look like, so you, I'm sure you'll be able to find me. Um, my website is www.safeharborinvestment.com. Uh, the website is currently being redone a little bit, uh, so it may it may be up or maybe down. I don't know, but uh, if you just check in, or you could always email me at frank at uh, safeharborinvestment.com. Great. And we'll have Frank's contact information at the, in the comments section of the podcast um, and a link to his new website once that's ready. Um, and of course, if you want to reach out to Frank, you can reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with Frank either, either way. Yep, yep. Um, so, well, great. Well, thank you so much again, Frank, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it and hope to have you on it uh, again in the near term future. Yeah, no, th thanks so much for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was, a, it was a pleasure to be here. So to your success. Awesome. You too. All right. All right. Thanks so much.